Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Brian Tan, and along with my amazing wife, Erica, we serve in the Young Singles Ministry over there. We're a little short today because some of them are out at a conference out in San Diego, I believe. But it's awesome to be here worshiping with you this morning. Let me get my clicker set up. Okay, so this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about fear. So I've titled the service, uh, the name of the sermon, Fear Factor, even though we're not going to be doing any crazy challenges this morning. Uh, one of the teens asked me this morning, are you going to do another game show? And it's, it's a little hurtful that I've been deemed the game show preacher, that I always have a game show every time. It's, it's fun, yes, but then I become like a one-trick pony, and then you're always expecting it. And see, if I always do up here, then if I do a sermon that's down here, you're like, ah, oh, Brian, you weren't on that week. So I have a little bit of interactivity, so hopefully that will suffice. Um, but this morning, uh, why don't we start off with a prayer? How about that? Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be together here as a family to worship you. I pray that uh, you would speak through me this morning, move me aside. Um, as we uh, dig into your word, Father, I pray that um, we're able to discover a truth that you have for us this morning and that we can leave better than we came in. Love you so much. Pray in the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, I need to set up the recording thing on that. Okay. So, uh, in talking about fears, everyone knows what a phobia is, right? Phobia is, is a fear of, you know, there's a number of different phobias. So, I want to test your phobia knowledge. So does anyone know what xanthophobia is? Not fear of spiders, no. No, that that is, uh, I know that one, but I can't think off the top of my head. Any ideas? Just shout out random things. Fear of interactions with people. Anxiety. Xanthophobia is actually the fear of the color yellow. So you would be freaking out right now if you had xanthophobia. Okay, uh, let's see what the next one. Turophobia. Afraid of turtles. <laughs> All right. Fear of what? Fear of fast speeds. Fear of fast speeds, like turbophobia. Fear of what? Fear of cheese. Yes, it is fear of cheese. Turophobia is a fear of cheese. Okay, hylophobia. Hylophobia, any ideas? Hylophobia. You can't look it up, that's cheating. <laughs> Is that how you found out? Oh. Anyone who's not looking at their phones want to take a guess at what hylophobia is? What? Fear of sound. Any other guesses? No? No? Hylophobia is a fear of trees, trees or forests, things like that. Not necessarily getting lost in trees. That's a whole different phobia. This is just trees. Uh, nomophobia. This one's actually fairly recent. If you have nomophobia, teens should know. Yeah. Nomophobia is a fear of being in an area without any cell service. I know everyone here experiences nomophobia because you know the second you leave the house and realize that you don't have your phone on you, what do you do? 
turn around, right? Um, I myself suffer from arachnophobia. I hate, I hate spiders. I know, I think it's a pretty common one, other than like clowns and public speaking, but uh, arachnophobia is, is one thing I'm actually very afraid of. So I've been actually trying to condition myself to, to go out of that phobia. So I actually have a video I'm going to share with you guys that I've been using to kind of help me get away from that. So if you are arachnophobic, I'm sorry. I'm hoping this will help you out as much as, much as it helps me. Thirty seconds. You can watch. <laughs> can you do it again? Uh, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So for you arachnophobes out there, I, I hope that, that I'm trying to watch these and condition myself to like not immediately like every time I see a spider. So I just think of Lucas and that kind of helps me. All right, let's see if we can usher you out of the house or into a place where I can't see you. But <coughs> we all have fears. Fears is just, it's a common part of our, of our lives. And honestly, it's a defense mechanism. It, what it really is, is God designed us in a way to be able to protect ourselves from things that might hurt us or harm us. But there's also a limit to fear, and, and that's kind of what a phobia is. A phobia is an irrational fear or an excessive fear, so much to the point where it actually controls you and it dictates your life. And we all have things that we're afraid of. You know, we're afraid of dying. We're afraid of losing a loved one. We're afraid of being embarrassed. There are all these different things, but we cannot afford to let fear control our lives. If you guys can turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be reading uh, a lot of scriptures today. I hope you can stick with me. So in this scripture, in Exodus chapter 4, I'm just going to set uh, the scene for you. Um, the Israelites have been enslaved by the Egyptians. And uh, if you guys have seen the movie, The Prince of Egypt... Moses is out in the middle of the desert, like, watching sheep, kind of away from all of this. And God says, you know what? I've seen the suffering of my people. I cannot bear to watch them suffer anymore. So I need to send somebody to pull them out from slavery. And so he chooses Moses. So he appears to Moses in the form of a burning bush. And he says, Moses, I've seen the suffering of my people, and I need you to go. So we're going to pick it up in, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. This is after God has already appeared to Moses and saying, you're standing on holy ground. So again, if you've seen the movie where like all the stones are rolling away and like Moses is like on, the, on his face on the floor and God's saying, this is what I need you to do. 
So Moses' response in verse 1, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? It's a valid question, right? Some random guy strung out from the desert saying, Hey guys, it's cool. I'm here. God sent me. I know you guys are all in slavery, but it's cool. God sent me. It's a valid question. It's a fear. It's like, well, what happens if they don't believe me? And the Lord said to him, What's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Which, I, I love this little, <laughs> little detail in the Bible, just because, yeah, that's, that's what would happen if you saw, you know, if I threw my little uh, thing onto the ground and it became a snake, all of you guys would immediately clear this front area. Um, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put, your, put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it onto dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So God's like, all right, I give you, I'll give you two signs, and if they don't believe those two, then I'll give you another one. And by that time, if they still don't believe you, then they probably weren't going to believe you in the first place, and that's their problem. But I'm giving you at least these things. So I know you're afraid. Here are some tools to address the fears that you have. Moses said to the Lord, pardon, par pardon your servant, Lord. Um, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you to speak and will teach you what to say. And then Moses at this point is like, awesome, cool. God, you got me covered. I'm going to go and get this taken care of. No, Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. God called Moses to action. He says, Moses, there's something that needs to be done. And I need you to do it. He had seen the suffering of his people and said, you know what? Billions of people's lives, not billions, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's lives, the entire nation of Israel, their lives hang in the balance. Your people's lives hang in the balance. I need you to go. And when faced with the enormity of this task, Moses, obviously, like, you know, any other human being would say, well, what about this? What about that? I'm afraid of this. Like, what if they don't believe me? What happens? You know, God, I'm a wanted fugitive. I fled Egypt because I killed somebody. Like, they're probably going to try to kill me and throw me in jail. All valid concerns. And God addresses every single one. But when the time came for Moses to spring into action, he froze. 
This morning, as, as we talk about fear, I, I want to put in your hearts this morning, just kind of call you to think. Have you ever felt called by God? Have you ever felt that there was this one thing just in the, in the back of your head that, you know what, I, I think I need to do this. I think, I think this is what God put me here for. And when you feel those things, what are the emotions that come to mind? A lot of times there's a, there's a sense of excitement, a sense of, of, of being fulfilled, and a sense of understanding your purpose is exciting. But there's also, along with it, come, come fear, anxiety, feelings of what happens if it doesn't work, what happens if I fail. We can all relate to fearing the unknown. I mean, Moses wasn't the only one who was unsure when he called. So if you're afraid this morning and you, you're unsure of the future, unsure of what God has in store for you, you're in good company because Moses was one. Uh, Gideon was another. If you can turn with me in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. We're going to read in verse 36. Uh, God was calling Gideon. Again, Israel, Israel was in trouble. They were... Uh, under siege by the Midianites. So every time the, the Israelites would raise their crops and it's time to harvest, the Midianites would come down from the mountains, ransack their crops, take all their food, and then flee back up into the mountains. So God was saying, the God saw the Israelites and their suffering and said, okay, we need someone else to stand in, lead the Israelite army, and they're going to take on the Midianites. You guys in Judges chapter 6? In verse 36, the Bible reads, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, so saying, okay, God, if this is what you say is going to happen, you, you tell me that, that I'm your guy, and, and with my help, you're going to save Israel, if that's all true. Look, I, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. I'm going to put this little cotton ball of, of wool on the ground, and if there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground around it is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. So Gideon's saying, all right, God, if this is all true, if everything is as you says it is, just, just give me this little, just come on, just, just indulge me a little here. I'm going to put this, this uh, piece of wool on the ground, and if it's dry, if it's wet, sorry, if it's wet and the ground is dry, then I'll know. Then I'll know. Then I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You've You'll show me, and I'll be good. We'll go. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, um, Don't be angry. Uh, <laughs> that could have been, you know, the weather was weird last night. I'm, just, I just really want to know. I really want to make sure. I really want to just be 100%, make sure we're on the same page, God. Just... Let me make one more request. Allow me once more, or one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew, because then I'll know that that was you and we'll be good. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. So Gideon got his test. He's like, all right, God, I just want to make sure we're cool. I want to know that this really is from you, and I'm not just hearing stuff inside my head. And that's all well and good for Gideon and Moses. In, in our day and age, it, it's kind of hard to ask God for like, all right, God, if you really want me to go to share my faith with that person, uh, I want him to drop his keys right now. 
Oh, he didn't drop his key, so I clearly, I mean, I'm not supposed to share my faith with him. He's not open. See, it, we, 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 we get afraid because we're not sure of what the future holds. A lot of times when, when we're faced with a moment where God's saying, hey, I need you to jump. I need you to take this leap of faith. And when we're faced with that, we freeze because we don't know what's going to happen. This lesson actually kind of came up from, from something I've been going through um, with my life. In my heart and in, in my dreams, I've always wanted to be in the full-time ministry. I felt that God has given me the, the skills to be able to, to help people and the desire just to, just to be there for people. And when I got baptized at 13 years old, that was just the only dream that was on my mind. Year after year, I always tried to find whatever I could do to service that dream. So whether it was uh, learning how to speak in public, I took debate. It was whether it was meeting with uh, ministers and trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I need to do to be able to be that? Serving in whatever capacity I could find so I could learn as much as I could. And about a few years ago, Eric and I actually got the opportunity and we interviewed uh, for a team ministry position outside of this region. And it kind of seemed like it was all going great. Like, we were going to get the job, and it was awesome. And then the call came down, sorry, we went with someone else. And that was kind of the start of a really dark time in my life. Um, if you've been here any amount of time, I've shared this story a few times. But it started with my dream just kind of crumbling in front of me. And then from there, God started to reveal things not only in my heart, but in Erica's heart and Erica's life. Um, and she started to go through things from her past that just were huge that I did not know how to deal with. She didn't know how to deal with. And it, it was a really, really hard three or four months. And in that time, I felt abandoned by God. I felt like, all right, God, like, I, I did all this for you, and you kind of led me along. And, and I got to the point where, all right, cool, it's happening. My dream is finally coming true. And in one swoop, it was all taken away, and everything was just blown up in my face. And from that point on, I began to fear. I began to think, you know what, maybe this isn't what God wanted for me. Maybe, you know, maybe ministry was just something that other people wanted for me. And because of that, then I just kind of wanted this dream. And so, you know, that's why I am today. But God clearly had just shown me, because everything just blew up and God wasn't there that he didn't want this for me. Then I took the time to start studying fear and wondering, well, why, why am I so afraid of this? Erica actually brought up, you know, that there, that there was a, a ministry position out, out of the state, and she was like, oh, you know, it wouldn't be cool if we applied. And I was immediately like, no, we're not doing that. We're done. This is it. We're over. We're not doing ministry anymore. And she was like, you might want to get that checked. That was a very severe reaction to just a casual conversation that I was trying to have with you. And so after some digging, I realized that what was really going on in my heart is that I felt that God had abandoned me. And I just felt if I ever put myself back out there again, God's going to let me down. It was a fear of just like, I don't want to be out there. I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to dream because God's just going to tear it down all over again. But the awesome thing is, is that that's not who God is, amen? 
Moses and Gideon had these signs. God was able to perform these miracles for them. But what if I told you that we have something better? We have something that, that Moses and Gideon did not have. In John chapter 4, if you guys, uh, 1 John chapter 4, if you guys can start turning there. I want to ask you guys, what do you think is the opposite of fear? I'm hearing murmurs. Love. See, you guys are all like way ahead of me on this one. Maybe I shouldn't have found this, this scripture. <laughs> I was expecting like bravery, courage, all that. I, I gave it away with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> the opposite of fear is actually love. And I'm going to go into that a little bit and explain it, but I, I kind of want to get your guys' head around this. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible reads, There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Uh, actually, I, I like the New Living Translation a little bit better. It says, such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. One thing that was interesting when I was throwing the sermon together and, and reading the stories about Moses and Gideon is not once does God say, I love you, Moses. I love you, Gideon. He just says, I need you to do this. I'm going to provide all the things that you need to handle this. Go do it. But the thing that we have, that Moses and Gideon, these people that have achieved these amazing accomplishments in God's name, the thing that we have that they don't, is we have Jesus. We have his sacrifice on the cross. We have seen in the scriptures a God that loves us so much that he was willing to give his own life in exchange for us. Through Jesus' display of love on the cross, we have been given the greatest fear-fighting tool that we could ever hope for. The knowledge that God is hopelessly, irretrievably, and recklessly in love with us. In Isaiah chapter 43, one of my favorite scriptures. I love this, this passage because in this passage, God comes right out and says, I love you. Starting in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear. Do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. One thing I want to point out here, you still have to pass through the waters. You still have to go through the flames. God does not say, well, now that you're a Christian and because I love you, you never have to experience any kind of, of pain, suffering, or be completely fear-free. 
you're still going to have to face challenges, and you're still going to have to look fear in the eye and decide that you're going to step forward and take the leap of faith. But I promise you, when you do, you will not be alone. When you do, it will not overwhelm you. I will never let anything happen to you that you cannot recover from. I will never let anything happen to you that will just completely destroy you and end you because I love you. God promises that he will never leave us or allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. That's in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. In this scripture, it, it just kind of encapsulates just how much he loves us. And when you think about the relationship of someone you love, I think more about you know, the relationship of, of a, a parent and a child. I mean, we're not parents yet. Uh, but I have the experience of being the child of my parents. And if you've you know, ever heard this phrase, I know all kids hate it, but the phrase, it's good for you. Everyone, there's a collective groan, it's good for you. Uh, I always heard it when I ever asked my mom, like, what is this? Like, what did you cook? And it was, the response was always, just eat it, it's good for you. Or when my dad would ground me, or when I was younger, when he would spank me, he was like, this is for your own good. In those moments, I did not feel like it was for my own good. I was always mad about it. Like, this is not fair. This hurts. Like, I don't like it. And it's interesting, in, in, uh, we kind of do the same with God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, you know, the Bible talks about how everything works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we always frame it as like, it's going to be good, right? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect. Everything's going to work out. But we never think about it in the terms of, this is what's good for you. And God can certainly let things happen that that's what's good for us. Maybe not necessarily what we think is good for us, but what God thinks is, you know what, you need this right now. And looking back on, on the, the, the experience that Erica and I had a few years ago, we were going through just all these things in our life, and God was bringing stuff up from our hearts and from our past. It was not fun. I was like, God, this is not good. But a few years down the road, looking back in retrospect and seeing how much we've grown, because of the things we had to go through, the sleepless nights, the fights, the anger, the frustration, the, the fear, seeing how God was with us through every step of the way. That in spite of me thinking God had abandoned me, thinking that he had left me out in the cold and hung me out to dry, my awesome wife reminded me God was there. God was there in the people that he put in our lives to help us go through this process. God was there in not allowing things to happen in life because adding that extra pressure just would have destroyed us. God knew exactly what we needed and exactly how much we could handle. And because of that, God never left us. In thinking about those things and, and being confronted with that fact that, that God loved me so much, even through those times where I would curse him out of frustration and anger, I would say, how, how, like, you don't love me. And as kids, we've all said that to our parents. Like, you don't really love me. But as a parent, knowing that, like, you, you absolutely do love your child. And bearing the pain of having your child tell you that you don't love you when you know the opposite is true. 
seeing how God was with me constantly and completely faithful in spite of my faithlessness, in spite of my anger and my fear. I was confronted with this amazing love that I could, I could never fully understand or ever be worthy of receiving. And because of that, we've decided that, you know what? There's no reason to be afraid. If God really loves me the way that he says he loves me, and if God really is who he says he is, I, I shouldn't be afraid of stepping out. I shouldn't be afraid of doing what I feel in my heart that he's calling me to do. And as a result of that, Erica and I have decided that we're going to start putting ourselves back out there for ministry. We've actually sent out our resume a few weeks ago, and we've already been receiving some responses, which has been just mind-blowing. Like, all right, like, this, we just ca- I just came to this conclusion, like, two weeks ago, and God's already like, okay, cool, you're good. We'll see what happens. And I honestly don't know what's going to happen. And every step of the way, there's been more fear kind of, like, creeping into my heart, just saying, well, Brian, you know, you're not good enough. See, you're going to take that job, and you're going to fail. You're going to have to leave everyone you know and care about. You're going to have to sacrifice a comfortable life. You're going to have to do all these things, and you know what? It's not going to work. And being confronted with that fear, fear of leaving my family, fear of leaving all of you, the people I've grown up with, and having to dig down deep and feel and remember that God does love me and that through this, even if I step out on and on faith and confront my fear, God will be faithful. There are always obstacles. There's always going to be fear. But what we have to remember is that God is always there. His love is perfect. And so this morning, I just want to really ask you guys to think about what is the dream that God has put on your heart? What breaks your heart? What is something that when you look at you say like that, that, I need to do something about that. I need to change that. Whether it's, it's finding a way to serve or it's finding a way to give, there's something that God has put in your heart because God has a plan for every single one of us. That, ver- that is clear. He didn't put us on this life to just sit in the pew and wait out the rest of our lives until we die and just like, cool, thanks for making it to heaven. High five. You have a goal. You have a purpose. You have a mission. And you have no idea what hangs in the balance. Just like Moses and Gideon had the lives of all those Israelites kind of hanging in the balance with their decision of whether they were going to go out and be faithful or not. Every single one of us in here has a mission from God to complete. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how young we are. It doesn't matter how experienced or smart or whatever the case may be. God can work through all of that. The question is more, are you going to step out? Just like with Moses, Moses, I can't speak. God's like, cool, I'll give you your brother. Your brother can talk for you. What if they don't believe me? I'll teach you a bunch of miracles that you can use, and that will convince them. God, I, I just, I, I'm afraid. Just go, I'll be with you. In Romans chapter 8, there's a scripture in, in uh, starting in verse 31. 
I think this, this kind of, this, this is a scripture I've been really trying to latch onto in, in the, all the tumultuous feelings that come with fearing the future and fearing the unknown. Bible reads in verse 31, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Down in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and church I hope you are convinced this morning as well, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is absolutely nothing that can separate you or I from the love of God. And that fact alone should encourage you that no matter what happens, no matter what fears may arise in your heart, no matter what uncertainty lies ahead, that God will always love you. Even if other people don't, the world doesn't, if your loved ones leave or die, God will not leave. If everything that you try to work at and, and, and re reach out and start fails, God still loves you. If you mess up, turn your life over to sin and just do whatever you want, God will still love you. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that will separate you from the love of God. I want to show another little video. Um, this video kind of encapsulates what I think taking a leap of faith should be. You notice, though, the second time that the, that the owner puts the dog on the couch, the response is immediate. There's no hesitation. There's no fear. The dog knows, I jumped last time, and my owner caught me. So if I jump again, of course he'll catch me. And as we think about the leaps of faith that God is calling us to take, I challenge us this morning that we would look back at all the times God was faithful in the past, how he demonstrated his love, and at the very, very least, examine the cross. And how at that moment, God looked into our eyes and said, you're worth all of this. In closing, I want to ask, and if you guys could take these uh, questions down and, and kind of reflect on them,
do you absolutely believe that God loves you? Not, not just, yeah, of course God loves me. Deep down in your heart, in your soul, in the very core of your being, do you believe that God loves you? Second question is, in light of that, is there something you feel like God is calling you to do that you're afraid of? And finally, will you trust your Heavenly Father and take the leap? This morning, I titled the lesson Fear Factor, and I don't know if the show is still going on anymore, but at, at the end, whenever there's a winner, they always say, clearly fear is not a factor for you. And this morning, as we reflect on the love of God and, and this, the sacrifice that Jesus made for our lives, I pray that fear will not be a factor for us. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your amazing love. Father, there's no way that we could ever deserve uh, what you've done for us. And God, you chose to do that just, to, just so that we could have a glimpse of how much you truly love us. God, I pray that as we reflect on that, as we reflect on how much you love us and what you've done, that we can look into the, the life that you've laid out for us the mission and, and the dreams that you have implanted in our hearts. God, and as we face those dreams and, and that vision you have for us, that we would look fear in the eye and say that it is well with us. We're not afraid because you love us and that you will take care of us. God, I pray that, that we move forward and that we become a church that is not ruled by fear. We're not controlled by the things that are whispered into our ears by Satan. God, but that we can step forward and take the leap of faith because we know that you will always be there to catch us. Love you so much, God. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you. I pray that you are pleased with our worship service this morning. I pray this on your Sunday in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. There's still two more minutes. So for those of you guys with kids, uh, wait, you got a little more time to fellowship before you pick up your kids in Kids Kingdom.